0: Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow the Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, The drawing will go until the last day of February, then on March 1st, I will draw the winner, and then on March 2nd in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So, good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have, that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors Uh, First we have DuckSeason.com, that's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, There's a good duck hunting forum on there, you can buy some merchandise. Uh, There's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there, where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, Follow them on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, You can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers, 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, You can find him on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 four nine four seven eight six eight lastly we have highline retrievers uh, dog training up in northeast montana you can find them on facebook instagram or tiktok it's h-i-l-i-n-e retrievers you can also uh, give me a call my number is 406-783-7083 uh, if you have any questions on training need any advice any help or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend. Uh, thanks a lot, and enjoy the show. All right, welcome into the Wicked Hunting Report. This is Garrett. Today, I'm with Dale Bordelon. Did I say that right? That's correct. You did good. Okay, you're in central Louisiana, and you are the owner of Bayou Beast Calls. So, uh, I guess, is there a little yeah. bit of intro you want to give for yourself? i uh, got Bayou Beast Calls, and I
1: make molded calls, and just a little bit. My cane calls is what most people want. I make a handmade cane call like they did in the 1800s. And uh, I'm just an old Frenchman from Louisiana that likes to duck hunt, make duck calls, and just enjoy life. That's it.
0: Are you guys getting any migrating birds in, or what's it looking like down there? Yeah, we had a good migration
1: in October, man. We had a cold spell a month earlier than normal, and they pushed a whole lot of ducks down to louisiana everybody had birds and uh everybody had a good first split everybody's still killing ducks now we doing good and uh we're fixing to have a big freeze it's supposed to be 15 degrees friday that's a big freeze over here in louisiana so we should have a big push of all these ducks from now on and uh i got a, my bars is working I'm building. I got to catch up on a few duck calls, but I'm going Wednesday. Then we're going back Friday and try to hunt before we freeze up. If we freeze up, I hope we don't because it's going to be pretty good. I know It, it froze. I've hunted it five degrees in 1989. We froze up, but we killed a lot of ducks prior to the freeze. Two weeks was killing mileage every time we went. And, uh, we ha- I've hunted several times. It got to 17, and it was – our lake is about five, six foot of water. And the channels is all frozen. We can hardly make it to the blonde, but we have it the ducks, man, because we got deep water. The fields, everything was frozen. So whoever has a little water, you got a good chance. And, I mean, it's a pretty much cinch. And, and them ducks work good when it's like that.
0: So you said you were to get to the blinds. When it got cold like that, were you guys still using your dugout canoes, or did you guys have anything with motors? Oh
1: no, or... no, no, no. Oh no, no, you can't paddle a boat in that ice. Yeah, I figured uh, so. I was
0: gonna say you'd have a workout before you got halfway there.
1: Yeah. No, I got a river boat, a big aluminum boat. Okay. With a go, With a gold devil on the back, and we just break ice in the channels until we find some open. I know where the open water is now because I've hunted it. So long, you know this in this kind of weather. I know exactly where to go, and we got open water. We just we get up hot with waders, standing in the water by the trees on the edge. It's about three foot, I guess, maybe two, three foot. To throw out about a dozen decors. That and that's all it takes, man, because they are looking to calm down. You probably don't need no decals. You got a little open water. Yeah. Uh, it was about five, uh, about seven years ago. It got to 17, and I was going to my blind I never could make it. So the first little lake we came to, it was open, and I told my partner, we're going to stop right here. And we did that, put out about 12, man, we hammered them. We killed the lemon, I mean, but it didn't take long. I have did that several times. So if I can make it down through that channel, that's the only thing. Cause it's gonna be, the channel is narrow, which, you know, it ices up quicker. Yeah. And, uh, but you don't see that in Louisiana too often like that. But when it is, it's on, man. Them ducts are here. Oh, I, can, that's,
0: I can only you know, imagine. That's
1: what, yeah. I'm not used to Northern States below zero. all. No, I wouldn't know what that's like. But I know in Louisiana, 15 degrees, That it's talking about this world, man. It, it, it's a new world over here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. When it gets down that cold, have you ever had any moisture when it gets down that cold? So have you guys gotten snow down there that you've ever seen? Oh, yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, oh, I guess so. But, I mean, if it, we don't get much snow, but we've had it, yeah, in the past it, a couple of years. Last year we had a big ice storm over here, and I think it was after duck season, uh, February, I believe. But anyway, I think it's a chance that might, we might have some snow. Friday or something one of those days. I'm not sure, but it's got a percentage of rain, so it's, it definitely is going to snow or ice at that temperature. Yeah. Which, which I hope it don't, because <laughs> I like it just, you know, like that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, where have you been hunting this year, and how's the hunting been?
1: Well, I got that place we hunt, and, uh, well, I've always hunted, well, we, well I'm talking about all my life, and, uh, it's always good hunting, and uh, I went last week to Tunica, Mississippi, and hunted with a friend of mine. And uh, we we did a, a old school hunt with I got an 1897 made in 1915 that I hunt with everywhere I go. That's my go-to gun. And we did. Uh, Dr. Lamonty did a video. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna be for YouTube. Do you Duck Nation. We hunted with, I hunted with my 1897 Ramsey Russell, GetDuck.com, he hunted with us. He had a Model 12 and, and John Gordon, a friend of mine for Ducks Limited. he had a, a Model 12 and Mike Bard that owns Beaver Dam Lake. We hunted in his place with him and his son, Lamar Bard. They have a beautiful place. where Nash. It's very historical where Nash Buckingham hunted and wrote all those stories and where he hunted with boo off his double barrel. We hunted there and uh right out of Tunica, Mississippi. We killed six we, we all had old guns. Mike had a double barrel, twenty one uh Winchester it was a Winchester day. Winchester eighteen ninety seven model twelve double barrels. We killed six limits of ducks that morning. And we're shooting two and three quarter shells like the old days. So it's a good, I'm glad to do that. And it's the kind of show you don't need all those big shells, you know. I, I, I'm a big fan of two and three quarter like the old days when I had, I hunted a lot in the 70s and 80s with lead. And I, and that's all we used. But we killed six limits of duck that morning. That was last week. And yeah. it was videoed, it's going to be on YouTube. It, I, I didn't see it, but it should be some good footage.
0: Yeah, that'll be cool. I can't wait to see that. So, you're shooting that. I suppose you guys are, uh, shooting boss now, or some sort of bismuth, through those old guns? Yeah, boss, and, uh, I got a friend of mine, he makes
1: some bismuth over here. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I got to support him, boss, and it's called year Shot shells, And, uh, boss, Boss is very good people. been very good to me. Make a one, one of the best shells in the world, boss. Yeah. But it's all basic loads, two and three-quarter, ounce and a quarter. That's what I shoot them old guns. I like a number five. I shoot different sizes. But number five, you can kill your milers and teesos. You know, we hunt a variety of ducks. So that's my kind of – number four is a good shot now. Number seven, six is good for just blue wings. But hunting big duck, we kill a variety, so I'll use a five all around the board.
0: Real good shells. Yeah. So since you said you have a variety, I guess, do you have a particular duck that you like hunting the most, or are you just whatever comes in you're happy with?
1: We hunt anything.
0: We don't shoot.
1: I don't have nothing against them now, because we ate them. I grew up eating them. I don't shoot spoonbills and ringnecks. (laughs) For the fact, fi- because I, I can kill enough ducks, I don't have to shoot them. The opening weekend, we could have killed 24 ringnecks. Why? But we ended up killing all good ducks, teals, gray ducks, regions, wood ducks. So my point is, why shoot all that when you can hold out and kill good ducks? You understand? Yeah. And I'm a big duck eater, me and my family. I keep wood ducks and teals in my freezer. And a few big mallards, just for bacon purposes. And people say mallards is not good, but I shoot. I inject them. i got a good recipe. I keep about 10 big mallards. But I keep all my teals and wood ducks. That's the best ducks you can eat, in my opinion. And uh, i got a lot of friends that can't hunt anymore. So I bring them gray ducks or whatever ducks we kill. But I don't shoot ringnecks and spoonbills. None of us do. To try to hold out on some good ducks is what I'm saying. And call ducks and work ducks and try to line ducks. It's a sport, you know.
0: Yeah. So, with all your ducks, what's your uh, favorite way to cook them? How are you guys cooking them down there? Well, we, I like to make
1: a. Man, we cook them all kind of ways. Gumbos. I like to take. I take them peels whole. Don't cut them up. And I smoke them 30 minutes on the pit. And uh, I use some bitter for cornwood. I smoke them 30 minutes. I make me a big gumbo. Let that gumbo be boiling, You know, the juices. With, the, with all my seasoning. Then put them teals in there with that. I'll put eggs. People, you know, that, that's big thing over here in South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. put eggs at the end of your gumbo, weed that with sweet potatoes. and But I like to take, if I'm cooking wood ducks, I cut them in half. If I'm cooking mallards, I cut them in four. But I like, I, I like to put a teals in a bacon. I got old, them old blue pa- bacon pans. That's about 50 years old. I have one. And I put, I, I got some jar root, homemade root. I put about two tablespoons. I'll put, if I have it, a one turnip cube and cubed, cut up. Boy, that gives it a good flavor. We like that. Some people don't like turnips. I'll put one big tablespoon of strawberry jam. Don't put no more than that. It gives it just a good little sweet tang. And onions, bell peppers, carrots, you put all kinds of stuff in there, whatever you want. And I put water about halfway up that duck, and bake them two hours. You can bake them three hours on 350. If they fall apart, it don't because 'cause you're gonna take it out, hold, put it in your plate. It's gonna be real tender. Very good. The, I cook the last I, the last 30 minutes. I take that lid off and I let them get brown. You saw I browned them in the oven stove for 30 minutes. They get brown. That gravy gets brown, thick. That's how we like to bake
0: them. Yeah, well, you're making me hungry. I might uh, have to make you drive all the way I mean, up here to cook. the cold and cook it for me. <laughs> I'll put a little dying dressing
1: in there. i put a little Worcestershire in the gravy. I'll I put all kinds. Of open the ice box and just look what i
0: got and put it in it.
1: it yeah. It's all good.
0: Yeah, that that sounds amazing. So uh, is uh, duck... Like, a pretty common thing to eat down there? Because, like, up here, I mean, if you're not a duck hunter, I don't know a lot of people that are going out of the way to get it. Like, my wife had never even had duck before she was with me. Well, I grew
1: up eating ducks. I ate it all my life. My dad was a big duck hunter. Every, I, I, I knew a bunch of old people. Yeah, we all, we hunt every year to put ducks in our freezer. And uh, we eat it all year long we eat it a lot like this time of the year we come to summer months you know it's hot we don't eat it as much but we eat it we do eat it year round yeah we 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 also got kill doves we got all kind of stuff garfish bass. we live on wildlife over here
0: so do you do any i guess deer hunting or anything down there or are you all just pretty much small game then we
1: got a spot where they got some nice deer. My boy, my oldest son killed one year before last that weighed 270 pounds and it scored
0: 175. Wow, that's big that for down big there. Deer. I mean, like you think if down in Louisiana, you're thinking little, like a little swamp donkey, you know, like. No, it depends why you're hunting. If you're hunting the piney woods, they don't get big.
1: On the hills, I call we hunting right off the river, the so river bottom. Anything by that river, they get huge. It's just that river has rich minerals in the soil over the years from flooding. And them deer eat them plants, and they get, that's what makes a big horn, big body deer, put a lot of minerals. Uh, but uh, I've hunted deer. I grew up duck hunting, and I hunted deer about 15 years ago, and I've killed the biggest deer I killed was scored one sixty. I killed to one fifty, but I don't count a deer hunt too much. I'm a bit. Every time I deer hunt, I think I'm where I could be killing ducks. Yeah. So I got two boys. They like to deer hunt. And they kill enough for us to eat. So I let them do that. and I just stayed at the camp. I like to duck hunt till about noon. I mean, if it's possible, if unless we kill a limit, then I'll go to camp and cook. And uh, let them go deer hunting. And I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, see, that's the uh, thing with me after I got into waterfowl hunting. You know, when I was in college, the way the seasons just melt together, it's it's rough to decide what, what I want to go do because, you know, my dad's not really big in the waterfowl at all. So do I want to skip duck hunting to go chase deer with him or do I want to go with my friends and go out and chase some ducks and geese? And then... Yeah, it's it's kind of a conundrum for me. I'm right in the middle of which one I'm feeling that day.
1: Well, you go with your daddy because you ain't going to have him there forever. Sometimes. I know he enjoys that. My I, my daddy passed away in 87. He never deer hunted. He was a duck hunter. But I did everything with him. And when he died, I had no regrets because, uh, you need to do what you got to do with your daddy because he ain't going to be there forever.
0: Yeah, so, see, that's that's what I've been kind of deciding on the last yeah. couple of years. I'm trying to steer more that way. Cause, I mean, even if he doesn't pass on, you, you can only deer hunt, you know, the way that we do it. We do a lot of uh, spot and stock type deal. It's a lot of walking. And I mean, these last couple of years, he slowed down a lot. So I I just know that it's not going to be that way forever. So I'm trying to get what I can while I can. Uh, absolutely And he's enjoying it more than you Because I have sons When I'm hunting
1: with my sons It's just something Whenever they go, I go It's just so, so special You have to yeah. hunt with one of my sons We both killed the limit Can't beat that man So your dad is enjoying it Because you hunt with them More than you're enjoying hunting with him probably And uh, you got to keep them Keep them happy with, with those memories
0: yeah. So you said you grew up with your dad hunting. Were you guys? Was it like big duck camps you guys did all the time, or was it mostly just you guys, or what? We, we started out.
1: My daddy hunt started hunting after World War Two. They had a. They hunted. It was a. Uh, let's see. Lumber company that owned every probably thirty thousand acres on over here. Everybody hunted. You can hunt where you want back then. It's open range, like nobody. There wasn't many people hunting, so they hunted like that on that place we hunt now. They built the camp in about 1950, and it was just a brick floor they made behind, it, it, just a wood heater. wasn't much of a camp. I never saw it, but he told me about it. And they hunted there. They duck hunted in that lake. That was real roughing it out. We go right now in an hour to get that. Those days, it took a whole day. There was no roads and all. And uh, so he, he hunted ducks probably 1950 to 1964. Then he bought a business, and he didn't hunt for a while. Then he hunted in the early 70s in another place and uh, hunted ducks to the 80s probably then. Well, or maybe the late 70s. Then we hunted in another place in 19, we went to another place in 1978. And we had campers, small campers, like three of them. Nobody had no money. Nobody had land, bought land. Nobody had no big camps in those days. And I got a picture. It's three campers all together with a fire, and we would. We would duck hunt. It's a lake called Red River Bay over here in Louisiana. And I was 17, 18 years old, and I had a wooden p And me and my best friend, I still hunt with him today. We'd wake up. It would be in the 20s. I remember some of those mornings. I'd drive about a mile to the land and put my boat in and hunt all day out of that p The whole weekend I'd hunt. And we'd hunt. Every weekend like that And uh, so we started in campus And then we My daddy bought some property in, in 86 where I hunt now And the farm land And me and my brothers Farmed it We paid it off And now we rent the land out But we got the, uh, you know, some swamp In it, that's why I hunt. hunt, And we built this camp Got an old camp that was built in the 50's and we just kind of picked it up and added on to it, and then we uh, we probably remodeled about three times. So it, it's not it's a cinder block camp with each of us have a bedroom, two story, and uh, we've been having that like I said for thirty about thirty seven years. So and now my boys are hunting that. But in the old days, nobody had camps or own land. My dad was one of the first ones to Boston some property in the 80s. Nobody did. Then, it, you know, people, people started having money and started buying property. And now, I guess everybody's got owned own something, it looks like, or you got to have something to hunt with, you know. But I hunt public land, too. I'm not saying that. We hunt public land. I'm used to hunt with people that hunt next to you, scar bus, mess you up, mow. I grew up like that. <laughs> and every now and then, me and my boys would go and something different. But, we're still going at it, man. I hope they last a while.
0: Yeah. So you were saying you would go out in your P-Row and whatnot. Were you I, – I saw where you were – you made your own dugout, right, like a year or a couple ago? I made – yes, sir. I made four of them. Okay. Is that – I know Frank taught me that from South
1: Louisiana. I got a dugout P-Row. He got a pattern from the 1700s. Now, when the French came, my people came here in 1720 on both sides. I'm half Bordelon, My daddy was a Maya. Uh, Borgon, his mom was a Maya. So they came, both of them, from 1720s, the Bordelon and Mayas. My mama saw it. Her mama went from France. They went to uh, Canada and come through that route. So my mama was a Frenchman. So I have it all the way around, but uh, my old friends got a... When these people came to Louisiana in the 1700s, the, not just my people, the French, the Indians were already making dugouts, but they burned them out. There was long boats, 30 feet long. But the French came, they had the blacksmiths and tools, so they shortened these boats up to 12, 14 foot, and they used the tools to dig them out. And they put a design on the bottom. And I, I had an old man, I have that design from, that's probably from 1780. Now, what that does, when you build a P Rogue out of wood, you're going to bend them boards, the sides. You're going to have, uh, in the middle, you're going to have a partition, uh, a rev they call. So if you've got if you got a 23-inch bottom, just to say, it's only going to be in the middle because you're going around that rib, and it's going to be pointing them both ends. you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. You might not, but...
0: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to picture my gonna head as you're pick- going.
1: Okay, you're starting from a point on one end. And you're going in the middle where that rib is, and it's going to be say 30, uh, 23 inches. But after that starts going narrower again to the other point, so you got to rake in that p Therefore, it's only you're going to paddle so many times on one. Some some p makes can build a good p and paddle only on one side. Uh, I, I might be confused. Let me let me go out it another way. When you bend that board around that middle, that boat's gonna have a rake in it. Yeah. The, the dugouts I build, I put a design on the boat. There's no rake in that boat at all. It's pointed on both ends, but there's no rake in it. The front's always staying in the water, so therefore you can pilot it easier like that. Right. Really? And the bottom is pop. Yeah. My my dugout it's got a 22 inch bottom, but it's about it's 22 inches about eight nine foot of the boat. Whereas a plank boat you are only gonna have that in the middle. So my rogue is 20. It's a probably about 30 inches at to the top. It's narrow, and it has a 22 inch, bottom, then it narrows down to my my to my keel. It's a good paddling boat It's hard to
0: explain It's an old French and That's what I put on my
1: piero It's, it's a Georgia
0: pilot, man I'll tell you Yeah, I bet And I guess if anybody wants to check it out uh, You had some good pictures of them On your uh, Facebook, didn't you? Yeah, I hunt That's right If you go back I, I, I built I put
1: on That was two years ago, though mm-hmm. You can look through my photos I picked up, But I hunt with it now It's 14 and a half feet long and uh, I, like I said, I made four of them. I with, I got two. I with one. I sold to a fella to put in his lodge in Kentucky. And one I got in my duck call shop on display. Pull it decoys that I called. It's like a museum. I had some people come today and look at that. They come bought some calls. Everybody that comes, I show them my little. I got a Cajun village. I mean, uh. Uh, Cajun house, like the old French colonial days. And I got pictures and my dugout, alligator heads, all that in there. It's like a little museum, I
0: guess. Yeah, if I ever make it down there, I'm definitely going to come check it out. Like I said, I've seen pictures of it. So, I mean, yeah. I, it looks awesome. It, it, I appreciate it. it. It's Louisiana heritage, what it is. And that's what,
1: you know, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, being from Louisiana I like, I like my I like the old always like my ancestors did and uh I just try to do what they don't that's all I'm trying to do just to keep a few things alive
0: so have you always like from the start wanted to do that keep the heritage and whatnot alive or was there ever a stage you know where you bought a more modern shotgun and you know moved away from it at all or have you always just stuck with the old ways well when i grew
1: up hunting i grew up hunting with my dad's model 12 and i have that gun it's about 10 feet from me right now he gave it to me before he passed on i grew up hunting with that a winchester 12 uh they made a winchester 1200 it was a cheap version of a model 12 in the early 70s late 60s i believe i have that gun too I had a high standard. That's a remake of an 870 or the Model 31 Remington. They made those in the 60s. I grew up with these old guns. Now, that's old guns I'm talking about. Yeah. The newest gun I had was the 870. I bought that 29 years ago. So I started building cars when I was about 25. You know, 20-year-old mine don't have much interest in old stuff. He has interest in going out and chasing women, you know. <laughs> I, start, I mean, the normal the normal, 20-year-old. Yeah. But I, I started building these cars about 25. Then when I got to 35, all that started. I had to shoot steel shots. So I didn't shoot my old guns for 25 years. Now I'm shooting them again. And I always had an old P-Rogue, though. And I always held the old ways to my heart. I, I, just, right now, I just can share that with Facebook, social media. But that's how I've always haunted. But it means more to me as I get older. The older I get, the more it means to me. The more I want to share this passion. I hunt with my handmade decoys every chance I get.
0: Yeah, so you, have of, a, you touched on that for a second there, how you started when you were young. Uh, how how are you carving those decoys and are they all the cypress root decoys or you know do you use different ones
1: decoys, yeah 90 percent of my softest root i have some tupelo they use both of those in louisiana but we have so- i don't have a lot of tupelo trees here but there's a lot of softest i say slot i find some in the bayous and the lakes floating and uh I've done went with my boys looking for that in the, this, in this, you know, the, in the spring. Find a good bit, bring it home and just store it. And I build decoys out of it. That's how the old French people did. All my decoys don't have no power tools on them. It's all with a hatchet and a knife. I, I built them like the old people.
0: They look- and I, I
1: don't put feathers in it. It's, it's all gun and decoys I got. But they killed ducks. I'm gonna tell you.
0: Yeah. Um, I can
1: cool a of dust
0: Yeah. I mean, they look really good. I mean, as far as, as far as like a hand carved decoy, I've seen some, uh, I've seen some hack jobs before, and I mean, for something that's hatchet and knife, those look really good. Like. And they're functional well, as a thing too.
1: Yeah. Oh, they. It, I got round bottoms. They got a lot, a lot of action. When the wind's blowing, cool oh, man, they, they, they move on the water.
0: So is that, are those something that you sell to, or you just kind of make them for you and you guys? No, no, that's mine. I could have sold, sold that bunch a
1: thousand times over. Every every other day somebody asked me for one. I I wouldn't have none left if I sold them. That's for me to hunt with, pass down to my boys and my grandkids. And I, I hope I could get the time to build more. But yeah. uh, okay. I will really, in my older years.
0: If you uh, ever get time to build more, put me on the list, because I'd like to have one or two of them, you know. Even if I, I mean, I would use them every now and again, throw them out in the spread, but, I mean, just to have them there and yeah. have them be a conversation piece.
1: Sure. I'll put, I, I melt me some lead. i put brass screws on the bottom, and i put them in a tub. I'll peg them to make sure they float right, and i screw that screw in there so nothing rust on that d they're fun to hunt with, and uh, I hunt with the more calls. That makes it enjoy. Yesterday morning, I hunted, and right, it was the shooting time was 6.31. At 6.32, at, uh, I didn't count them, It was about 12 gray ducks. They come in looking, and I have a soft call. I barely blew that call, but they circled three times. I could have shot them in front of me about thirty yards, but they did what I wanted. They circled about three times, and I walked the whole bunch land right in front of me. Using that, uh, saw, I used a soft call, <clears throat> and an old call I had about twenty years ago. It's man, it's a mellow call, and uh, but I, I made a triple. I'm shooting that old ninety-seven. That ninety-seven is a hundred and fifteen years old. I want to and I want to show you something. Let me get I'm gonna blow that call for you. Absolutely. I got a call. I got about four or five calls I bring. Most I use that little soft call. Every time, I don't care if it's the first day, the last day, or a foggy morning. You can't go wrong blowing a soft call. This calls is about uh, 20 years old. This is what I used yesterday. Just called ducks in general. And once they start really looking, I'll switch that soft call. But this is a cane call. I'm going to blow it. It's about 20 years old. You hear how mellow it is? Absolutely. Yeah. Now here's the little soft call that This call here That kill a Put a bunch of ducks in the water Listen how There's no echo It's soft, soft You hear how soft it is?
0: Yeah And you can hear the difference too Because it's uh Like it doesn't Like big, you said, It doesn't echo big, big It just kind of like Just like dies off At the end there when you hunting, well, I'm hunting. This is all my my personal experience, my personal belief Now,
1: you can blow them out with a medium loud call. You want to be as soft as possible. Yesterday, I lit three different bunches doing that. I killed my lamb. I killed six gray ducks, and my boy he killed his lamb. But he 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 got a cane call too. He hunted further down. We just played up yesterday, but uh, no, that little cane call. It's about it's smaller than my big my finger. It's about the size of my pinky, maybe a higher big. I'm looking at, but bigger like my pinky. Got a small, small soundboard, small reeds, everything small, so you can't make a loud note. You you gotta have all that in that call. <laughs> you can't get loud on it, but that's what I want.
0: That sounds and real good. You never hit a
1: bad note. I learned, look, I grew up with some market hunters that hunted, uh they, they sold ducks, made pillars, and all that. I learned a lot from these old people. And that's one thing right there they taught me. Uh, and they killed hundreds and hundreds of ducks. And, uh, so it worked, though. That's what we use. You talk about lanterns. Uh, now, I don't like to. And if you, my little grandson can call a duck and get them 50 yards. But it takes a duck hunter, or a caller. What you do with them from then, you know, to put them on the water. That's why that's your experience comes in. I'm not saying I'm the best by all means. But it's my goal to try to put them on the water. That's the thought of hunting to me.
0: Yeah, anybody can if blast at them 80 yards in the air or 60 yards in the air. It's getting them right up close to your face and getting to experience them up there that is the good part.
1: Yeah, no, some days we do shoot them. We can't land them. I'm, I'm not, but yesterday it was those days I did. Some days they were, some days it tough that we have to shoot them. In the air. I'm not saying that, but it's a challenge to do that at my age. And, you know, you, you
0: accomplish something.
1: So it's kind of special to do
0: that yeah so how did uh, you get BioBeast uh, calls started and like when did you do it and how did you get it started
1: I've been making calls about 30 years and we hunting in a soccer swamp it's infested with alligators you wouldn't believe I can, I've been catching alligators for 37 years. This year we caught three over 11 foot. I didn't even know they had that in there. I don't know what's still in there right now. Last year I caught one over 12. He was as big as they get, man. I mean, huge, a big around. The biggest I caught was 13 feet, 2 inches, me and my boys. I have caught several 12, 12 and a half. And I, that lake we have is called La call, Boss. Now, call, call Boss is a gourd trench. So I named my coal company La Duck Coals because of why I hunt. But I told my wife, you know, nobody's going to know what it is. Nobody's going to even know how to pronounce that. <laughs> but me, I said we started catching those big alligators. Now we catching these gators. Why are we duck hunting now? I'm talking about why are we duck hunting all these gators? So after I caught that big, we did a show at National Geographic. Brady Bar used to be on National Geographic at one time. They came to my place and did a show. About bought some catching alligator snapping turtles. And if you look on YouTube, they'll borrow on catching alligator snapping turtles in the mud. You can see 10 minutes. Uh, uh, this place, dried up. I rescued a whole bunch of them and brought them to safety. This was 22 years ago. National Geographic came to the place and did a show. They came for one week. And it's, that too is on. You can pull that up. So Brady Boyd, we had a big turtle, and he made a comment, and I can't remember exactly how it went, but he called it a bayou beast. So right after that is what I caught that big alligator. He was 13-2. I mean, why I duck hunt, I told my wife and my boys, man, I'm catching some real bayou beasts here. So we started crossing. I'm going to change the name. Everybody, it, it fits good with what I'm doing. So the big alligators, uh, look, I didn't caught some big, some big ones. This is why we duck hunt, found our P-Rogues standing in the water. So I figured that'd be a good name, Bayou Beast called. So I I got the name bought worldwide, so that's my trade name. And it feels good what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... So, I guess on alligators, I mean, you guys ever nervous about that, or, I mean, have you been so around them so much that you're desensitized, or do you even think about it anymore? You can't
1: hunt. For season, we pile up here all day out, and that's when we're catching them. We got, this past year, We was, I passed by three loins hanging in the dark, and that meat, that old dead meat attract them gators you got to keep shawing your lot in the water. That scares them off. But you don't know when they're going to attack you. But that splashing of the p they go to anything splashing. They think it's a neutral otter or deer. So I mostly just shawing it in the water and just hope I don't get attacked. But so far, we've been lucky. But once it gets cool, you don't have trouble with them. Of course, last year... Over here it was warm between Christmas and New Year's. They were stealing my ducks in December and January. Gators eat all the time. Don't let nobody tell you they don't. When it warms up in the winter, they come out. They'll eat anything they can. Not as much as the summer, but they will eat. So, so like this weekend we go
0: ahead. Right.
1: We're gonna hunt in whalers with that trees. I know they're gonna be out now. So I'm not worried about it. So when you
0: guys when you guys shoot something as soon as it hits the water do you got to try to race out and get it before the gators do or how extreme is it?
1: You better believe I got my pool
0: court next to my blind. Huh. I jump in it and I'm thrown, man. I go get my ducks. How uh I mean have you ever tied a gator like you know got to it the same time it got to the uh duck and
1: oh, or he, anything like he done that? He
0: didn't got my duck. Yeah I, I have to chase him down. <laughs> I'd uh, i chalk that one up to the gator. I wouldn't chase down no gator for a duck.
1: Well, once they once they get it, it's hard they let go. They gone, man. They're not gonna split up. you know sometimes I won the bottle, but they mostly get it. But uh for TLC, they'll do it right now. If it was warm, they'd be out. They know what them D cars are about, they camp on the edge. They know what you're doing. They're not stupid.
0: The deer so, season,
1: they come sit on the edge and just wait for a cripple or something to fall. And, boy, you got you better hurry up or you shoot ahead of them. to scare them off, but it takes a lot to stop them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just don't shoot them and kill them.
0: So I suppose you guys can't use dogs out there then. You know, you said at the oh, deal. Man. I hunted with a, after we hunted that beaver dam, I came back and I hunted with a good friend of mine.
1: And uh, he had two – him and his wife. And uh, Man, he had a dog They had a dog I fell in love with That song goes as big as a cow Big old Chesapeake As gentle as a joint You talk about a nice dog I'd love to have a dog like that But I'd be committing suicide To hunt with one of those But him, I can't do that So I just stick with the P-Rogues
0: That's the only way we can hunt When you... You said that you were catching the gators. Were you uh, going out with the piro, or is that when you're in your uh, own no, boat? I've caught one. I've caught something last year in my piro,
1: six, seven foot. My dog got piro just to go do it because that's how the old people used to do years ago. It's just for the sport of it. You want to get a Dremblim rush? Go, kick, go get Go out with a, a piro and pull an alligator in. You think a rod at the fire is something? You talk about get a rush. But when you pull that gator in, it's not in the front of that PO. He's coming right down next to, you to the. That's why you're long, you know, on the side of it. He's right there with you. You have to hurry up and shoot him. But I did that just to shout, Johnny, and I had fun. But mine, it's kind of, that boat's narrow. It's, everything's risky on it. But I got a big boat. I go, with my, my aluminum boat with a big deck on the front. We stand up on that and pull them in and somebody shoots him.
0: Yeah, you got more guts than me to go out there with just uh sitting in a dugout hunk of wood going after gators. That that takes something.
1: <laughs> well, I don't do that all the time, but I did it just to like I yeah. said, the old people did that. They didn't have no boats back in the day. And I did it just out of they had a fellows that there's some pictures over here of all, where I'm from they did that in the 17 the 1870s there's a picture in the dugout so I did it mostly because of that because they done it then just, I did it now just a remake of that deal but uh, no I, I don't make a, a habit of doing it I'm not gonna catch it. I caught that one last year like that the next one had that big 12 something I sure ain't gonna catch
0: him in a few. <laughs> that so, thing was huge well like in that old photo that you said when they used to go out way back then were they going out there like with a like a single shot musket to shoot them and finish them off or did they just let them just eventually they had die a gun in? yeah they had a gun but it was a big big dug
1: out that was three there's about three men in it now and, and I, they had that's what they was using. They're just a picture now, and they had a—I don't know what kind of gun it was. I couldn't tell, but they have a rifle. Oh. but and that they, that they gators was about seven eight foot. I didn't see no big gators, but I'm sure they didn't catch a big one out of it. It's—you can't hardly do that with a pirou. I would imagine. You got to be half nuts if to do it, 'cause you can turn over very easy.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't even imagine that. I mean, I'd be nervous out there like on a new fancy airboat or anything like that, knowing that there's gators in the water if something happens, you know you hit a stump or something underwater flips you over, and all of a sudden you're in the water with them man, that would that's not on my to- do list.
1: I like it, though. it's a tradition we go once a we do it all on the weekend. I've been doing that since I was twenty. Fog, and we used to, have to scan those gators, and you salt them down, and you go to the best bar. It's a tradition. I can't, I can't stop doing it. It's in my blood. Even though we're not making no money, it's just it, when I'm finished with that, it's, I'm so happy because all the memories I had in the years past and the good times. I'm gonna keep doing that till I'm gone, just like that duck hunt. And no stopping now. Yeah. If the duck, if they go to one duck a day, I'm gonna be out there same way hunting. I don't go for the duck. I do go for the duck, but it's a, it's a boat ride with drinking your coffee in a dark, the P-Rogue paddle.
0: It's a whole nine yards, man. Yeah. Enjoy. It. I think. I mean, it's how it should be, but I think that's how most people, at least that I hang around and go hunting with. Are there? I mean, you're excited and happy, you know, when you get your deer, your ducks, or whatever. But it's the memories and just the whole lead up to it and whatnot. Like you said, drinking coffee in the dark and uh, paddling out there. I mean, that's that's the way it should be. And I hope that that's the majority of people, and it's not. We're not in the minority of this. I mean, if it was all about killing it, I don't. I just wouldn't see the uh, enjoyment in it.
1: There's no enjoyment. Uh I grab my old gun, I got my old shell bike, my old bucket. Everything I got is old and full of memories. And I look at all those my, I make my own push pull paddles. I got a connection with everything. So it really makes it enjoyable.
0: Yeah, so on that of you know, making memories and whatnot, do you got any uh like favorite hunting stories or any hunts that stand out to you?
1: Man, they're all special, especially hunting with my boys. Uh, I got some good hunts I made. Uh, I can't. My old dad passed on, but he took my my oldest son when he was 12. And my boy killed a band, a wood duck with him, That. That's a, I wasn't even there. Was in another blind with a friend. But that's a special hunt to my son. But uh, I, I've been I've been taking the board since there was three in the blind. I got so many memories with them because I watched them grow up, shoot that first duck, and, and walk into on uh, twelve gauge. And now they're taking me. So you know that it's hard to pick out one hunt. It's all good, you know. The whole everything is it's always special when I go. Understand I was that. down when I killed that banded ducks and now we go to camp, we're cooking supper. We all what what I like about it now, they take me hunting. I go get the ducks
0: though.
1: <laughs> I'm still doing that. Well somebody's but gotta go out they there and take fight the me, gators. Well, my boys are good now, but I like doing that. But we go brush, we spray water lettuce all summer. We brush blondes together. It's a family deal. And it, it, it's all special. I can't, I. it's hard to pick out. I had so many one-time special times, but it's hard to pick one out. They're all good. We're going this weekend, and it's going to be arched up. That should be a good one. And we had some of them in the past. Uh I remember I went with my little boy, my youngest boy. He was 12. It was Christmas Eve morning. We always hunt that morning. And we went to make a quick hunt. And we are going to make an afternoon hunt. And we went in the field. We ended up killing our of mileage. All, and we killed 12 ducks. All our mileage, which is very unheard of, and our odd ducks, teal and then great ducks, wood ducks. And we came for seven fifteen and we came home and my little boy was so happy I was happy. And we went we came home, it was a big salt wind day, Christmas Eve. It was, but it was about one o'clock in the afternoon. About seventy degrees, sixty eight degrees. I remember going in the pasture with my two boys and my wife, and we all just went out there and plugged those ducks. And the geese were flying over, just a hollering, just a special moment. I'll never forget that. And uh, just a happy, happy time. Christmas was that night, you know, Santa Claus. I got so many stories like that, but that stands out just the whole nine yards. That's what keeps me going back in the blind, with chasing some old memories.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with my son too i mean i've got two daughters and a son but my son he's the oldest and he's three right now and when i go ice fishing i try to bring him on like we were out this weekend ice fishing and i mean he was there for pretty much the whole day we were out there sitting on the ice and he got tired and we made him a little bed out of the uh sled and whatnot and he slept in there for a little bit and i mean i got memories with him already this year from uh chasing antelope with my longbow and stuff like that, so that's what, I mean, I'm sure that your kids will remember that stuff growing up. I mean, my son already remembers that, and that's the main thing for me. Like, I've got memories. I've got memories I'm with my dad, my grandpas and whatnot, but, like, my thing right now is trying to make memories for him and get him involved and, you know, make it special for him. Yeah.
1: I picked a deer spot up over there in the field, and my little boy wanted to kill a deer one day, and I've seen a big book. That's one day it got 17 degrees that next day Not There was a day before a front was coming through And I saw a big old buck It came about 200 yards And I didn't shoot it Because I knew he wanted to hunt The next day hoping it would. He was in the rut He was checking out those So that we, we duck hunted that m- next morning We killed a limited of the ducks It was icing up And he went that afternoon He saw that deer But on the far part of the field so that next morning we woke up, he wanted to go deer hunting, but he's a duck hunter. I, he, I said, you going deer hunting? He said, yeah, I want to go. I said, you don't have to go if you don't want. It. I said, but you ain't going to kill no deer in that duck blind. He went deer hunting. It was 17 degrees that morning. And I my, uh, I was at the camp. I didn't go that morning it Was everything had crows and the Parked. I was trying to get everything cleaned up, and I seen him coming on that four wheel down the road like no man's business. And I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "Dad killed him." I said, "What you got?" That big deer. I said, "Where's my rifle?" He said, He's laying on the deer. Well, I jumped in the bike. We went, and he killed. A, it was a big old nine point, a nineteen and a quarter inch inside and, uh So that's special. My other boy killed that one. That he killed one. You, you ever pull eyes? like I said. It, it weighed two hundred seventy pounds and it scored one seventy-five. His mama came with us to help him load it. All all that. It wants to be. A, it's all special. That's very special times. So it's hard to pick one out. Or, you know.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that. Like I said, I've got, I've got hundreds of memories. If someone came up to me and said, "What's your favorite hunting memory?", it would. I, I mean, there's so many. It's hard to just pick. Exactly. And lots of it is, it's not like a, like a full hunting story. It's just like little moments that like pop up in my head, like with my dad or with my grandpa or, you know, my son or whatever.
1: That's right. That's what makes a good memory. Yeah. It's all about memories. Whatever you do, and that's something you can sit and down the road, think about, it, and have a good. Make it day. When you got a bad day, that t- turn your day around.
0: Yeah. So, now if someone were to say that they wanted to, uh, you know, get into the old-style hunting like you do and whatnot, and they wanted, like, to get a gun, what would you tell them to look for? Like, what's a good old-style shotgun, but, you know, it's still good if you get some good bismuth ammo to take out?
1: Well, I got that old 9-7. And now it's hard to find a good gunsmith. They got so many moving parts in those guns. I would, if it was me, I would look like for a Winchester Model 12.
0: Okay, that's that's a heck.
1: That's one heck of a. They're all good guns, both of But that Winchester, you can get them worked on pretty good. That's a very liable gun. You can find them. My partner watches that on uh, Gone Broco. One of them sides, he found them for five, six hundred dollars. When not many people bid, you can pick up a good uh, model twelve. You know, Ibis price probably eight a thousand dollars, but you can find some good ones. He has, or you can find them ninety sevens on there. Uh, but I would get a thirty-inch barrel with a full choke. Any of those guns, it shoots that bismak so much better than a model 5. Or you can get a 28, but I definitely I get a full choke. Night and day difference because I have heat those going. That, 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 uh, full choke, man, you, you saw you had to, you don't need no other. I hunt with my best friend and my friends, and they got their big, uh, guns with big shells that choke. They don't kill no more ducks than I kill. That's, a, I can guarantee you that. And I'm shooting two and three quarter ounce and a quarter load you don't want to shoot more than that in them old guns
0: so do you have a favorite model shotgun that you use or do you just whichever one speaks to you that day eight that old 1897 you want to hear the history of that gun
1: yeah my best friend worked with a fella he bought two of these old guns a, well, I grew up in an old lake called Lake Pearl from an old hunter. I don't know who, the, who it was now, but that old man for two, and it was 1983. He was cleaning them, undid the bird place that had a license in there from 1929. Wow. So that's 40 years ago. I got that license and took a picture of it. And I still have it here. I went to the bank, but it's not a good copy. It's just a black and white copy. So it has all the things on the back, the the regulations on the back of that license. So over time, that man sold those two guns to my best friend. My best friend used to be my brother-in-law. They, they got divorced, him and my sister. But we be, became best friends, and we stayed best friends he gave one of those guns to my daddy eventually about 20 years ago my daddy passed on now so I got that gun and not long ago he gave me the other gun so that I, now I have both guns and I hunt with them
0: that's awesome so, I mean, that's cool history that's, that's really cool
1: so what I did is, I put that old license on Facebook, and I had the, I had a fella contact me, it was his daddy that had the license, he said, man, I, ha- I still have the original. I said, man, can you come, uh, can I get it, make a copy? He said, yeah. So we went, and I made a copy, big copy of it, I made a bunch of copies. I sold some on Facebook, we just, I didn't make nothing up, just to share a little heritage. So in the meantime, somebody recognized the name on that license. Another local, it was his great-great-uncle. He never had kids, but he bought me a picture of him and his whole life story. He was in World War I in France. <clears throat> he was born in 1889. He died in 1963. Wow. Doubts, who was the original owners, after 40 years, not knowing, no I know, I have a picture, I know the story, the history of the man. And I'm going to rod that up and put that up one day with both those guns from my, to pass that down to my boys. So you see how, it's. A, you see what hunting does? The connections you got with people and all? Yeah, it's but- not just killing ducks. So that old man never had kids. He was a bachelor. They formed. So now I can keep his legacy going through these old guns and, and social media with his license. And I sold a whole I sold about twenty licenses in one hour when I put that on Facebook. At one time. And I made some more copies And anybody wants one. I have some here. It's like sixteen by ten beautiful red color license to put in a mine cave or a hunting lodge or whatever. Wow. And come out that old gun I'm using right now.
0: That is so cool. Like, that somebody was able to recognize it. Like, it came across that person's, you know, Facebook or whatever, and they recognized it and could get all the info to you is just, that's insane. And that's such a cool story.
1: Yeah, That. that without Facebook that social media I never found out who had that going
0: that Larson stayed
1: in that blood plate for 55 years
0: and the fact that it wasn't you know you guys are hunting in water all the time the fact that it didn't just get completely soaked and ruined is just a miracle
1: well one one, yeah one side is dark don't know if it got wet it's just a shade of a different color don't know if it got wet or the oil, it probably got wet I would think the water but
0: yeah um man I had another thing I was going to ask you about I'm drawing a blank right now um why okay let's go uh, back to the calls here for a minute on your call page if someone is uh looking to buy one or whatever how do they get a hold of you to uh do that and like what kind of different models and different styles do you have i got
1: molded calls which is a cane call i had molded out i got the mama hand the gumbo maker the perfect hand and a uh you can message go to my Facebook page, buy your beast calls, or message me personally. That's what people do. I don't have a website. I'm old fashioned, old school. I guess maybe I need one, but on them and, and I'll sell those thirty five dollars on them can calls. That's what ninety percent of the people want. I've been around some old hunters that did that all my life and I learned from them and I kinda of put my own touch, but I'll make a Handmade can call like the 1800s. I don't have no tools. I make the soundboard. I got my own jig I made out of a pipe. And I make everything. I never copied off of nobody. So it's all kind of my design. And and I I got files and knives. And uh, if you go like a call maker or Fox say Fox game calls. They make can calls, but they put it on a late. It's like a 20-degree cut, and they, they use a tape at Rema to out the bow 20 degrees so it fits. I don't have that, and I could, but it wouldn't be handmade. I choose to do it by hand to keep my tradition alive. So I have a waiting list. It's over two years because I can only make so many a day. And right now, they got a man that came get three this morning. I'm pick, there's a man trying to get in touch with me now. He's supposed, supposed to meet him here in a few minutes get two. And another fellow wants seven. I can't make them that fast. <laughs> so, so I got a waiting list. It's probably over two years, unless you come to my shop. I can have you, you know, what you want. But you got to give me a little heads up. Okay. And it's going good. I love to. I got a good little thing going. People want those calls. That's all we hunt with. I think they sound like a duck. I try to. Every call that leaves here is like. I'm making it for me, and it it, it, it it's a show of heritage, and I enjoyed doing that.
0: Yeah, that's they're so cool. I mean, you should throw me on that waiting list because I'll uh I'll take one here whenever you get to one.
1: If you come down here one day, let me know. You you get you come to my shop, you you can get one. But I don't think you will be coming to Louisiana soon. <laughs>
0: Not with three kids under three. Yeah, but yeah, I'll do that. But
1: no, uh, you could just contact me on Facebook. I got a list. I just, I keep with me. Just give me your phone, name and phone number. When I get to your name, I'll call you and then we'll discuss what call you want. Soft call, regular call or big call. I'll make a little call. And I use River Cane that's native to Louisiana. I go cut my own bamboo I I, I use cedar. That's the old staple from Louisiana cedar soundboards. And I find my wood in the river, off the riverbanks. It's just like they done it. In fact, I'm fixing to go, well, it's going to be in the spring, not fixing to. I'm going to Pecorne Island, South Louisiana, and cut some river cane to have some, you know, stock for down the road. So I, I I I got a cane knife. I go do all myself. I come back, put, cut some up, store the rest. Everything on these calls I got handmade. Nothing is from a store. And uh, that's the whole meaning behind it to me. It's a hundred percent handmade, and that's what people like. And okay. I appreciate all the people that want them and do business with me. And
0: it, it's really
1: touches my heart because i'm passing down some heritage that means a lot to me
0: well and i think that's the thing about it's the fact that it's you know handmade and that it's the old style and i mean anybody that knows about them obviously knows this about them that they're handmade and that they're the old style and it's just the heritage of it and just the coolness of it that it's not a thing anymore because i mean they're made out of cane, so unless they were you know, preserved perfectly, they're not going to be – I guess I don't know for sure, but I just wouldn't imagine that there's very many around that are in working order that were the old original ones from way back in the day that the French were making. They got – that can cost 30, man. I, I got – I've seen
1: calls over 100 years old still really? working.
0: That's crazy. That I would bamboo, never
1: imagine that. That bamboo is – oh, yeah. Now there's some good bamboo I'm using. Now I use some clumping bamboo too. Now I use I try to use a good quality bamboo where the customers won't split it, and uh, you know it's a good hard hardy cane. It's dense, dense, good stuff. I'll put a sealer on it. Those calls will last a hundred years. And it's got a good mellow tone. <laughs> It's so, It's not like acrylic. It's so, It's like a hardwood, I guess. It's real, real mellow.
0: Yeah. Well, when I buy one here from you, if in 100 years, if it's not still around, I'm going to have to have words with you.
1: Well, you come and look me up. We'll discuss it, Bobby.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Hopefully, we're somewhere in the same place that we can discuss it.
1: Oh, I hope so, man. I know what you mean.
0: <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Man, that's... I mean you're such an interesting guy there's so many different things I could talk about um or ask you about with the uh since you're so much into the heritage and the history of everything is there any I mean cool things that you know of that they used to do back in the day down south down there that you know people might not know about They Hunt, used to do a lot of we... market
1: haunts.
0: Yeah talk to me about that if you know anything about it they used to have a place... Market Hunt was big, especially on the coast.
1: And uh, that came about real big. They used to salt down ducks in the 1800s, but ours came out in about 18 the 1880s. So did the railroads. That's when Market Hunt really took off because they had a exit for it. They could ship it. They, most... New Orleans used to buy a lot of ducks at the French market. The French market's a place they sell vegetables, fruits, beef, whatever. You know, they, people go buy, they can buy what you want. It still has the French market. But in the old days, I know this one fellow that had 10,000 acres in South Louisiana, or they, I didn't know him, but the history. And he hired 10 local Frenchmen, and they had dugout pirogues. And they would go, and I know one had a 97, this fellow. His name is Paul Champagne, probably one of my favorite market hunters. They kill 100 ducks a day, these hunters, each. And that man's quota was to bring 1,000 ducks a day to the French market. Now, when they, they killed them in that swamp, that marsh, they had an ice house, and they put them in barrels of, they salted them down and put them on train, and they went to New Orleans to the French Market every day for two months. Market hunt was so big, they had the schoolhouses on floating barges, uh, houseboats, and all to teach the kids. The family stayed out there in the marsh, but they sold. They went to the French Market. They got fifty, say fifty cents, uh, a quarter for a pair. Then they sold it. 50 cents of power to say they do but they made big money at the time. There was no money. And, uh, in 1910, there was 3 million ducks sold out of that pre- uh, market in New Orleans. Wow. And then it was, then in 1910, they all with the laws they stopped all that. Well, no, no. Yeah. 1910, I believe they quit, you know, they were depleting the, the uh, the my the duck that's killing them off but a lot of history right here with market hunting and and i like all that and i like to hunt like they hunted. i don't kill what they kill though <laughs> i kill my lemon that's it but I, I put my ducks in barrels the same thing and all and uh just like they did i got a barrel old barrel and i hunt with old guns dugouts i just love that lifestyle i could i I wish I was around in the old days when they did all this. Now, they gutted all those birds. Each man gutted his hundred ducks. packed them in the ice in a barrel. That's how they were shipped. And they were sold with the duck feathers on so the people would see what they was buying. That's the whole thing about it. Yeah. They bought it home and cleaned it and cooked it.
0: Yeah, so you can just go in and... So that way then they weren't just going up there and saying I want, you know, a mallard or whatever and they'd hand them a spoon bill and they wouldn't know, keep the feathers on them. Exactly. So you said they had the ice in the train. Would they just send a train down with a car just packed with ice and they'd hurry up and... Well, I guess you said they were doing the barrels too, but... They, they'd pack them in ours at the French market and ship them to cities. Right
1: here in my little town, that lake I told you about, they used to kill ducks and come to the depot and ship them to the alley, which is thirty miles from where this was. And the next day, when that train would pass by, they'd bring the money to them. And they did that for. The, that's what the local people tell me. The old hunters. Wow, I'm gonna good. tell you a story. An old man told me. Okay. In this this place I'm talking about, Lake Pearl, this this doctor wanted a hundred ducks. This is a true story now. So this man killed a hundred ducks. He didn't have no fridge or die. They didn't have no nothing. So he he he, he opened a window in the, in the spare bedroom and put a hundred ducks on the bed to keep them cool. For until for the, the man came to get them, which was the next day. The doctor came to that man's house. He had a hundred ducks. That doctor had to that man a hundred dollar bill. He loaded his ducks. He took off. When he left, that hunter went, he walked to the road and the first vehicle that passed by, he stopped him. He said, I want to ask you something. I want you to tell me if this is real or not. He had never seen a hundred dollars in his life, a bill. Wow. That's crazy. And this this fellow stopped. He said, mine. He said, I wish I had a bar of them. And he said real said, Yeah, it's real. He says all I want to know is I never seen that before. People was poor, man. That's the true story.
0: That's crazy. And it's crazy to think about like I guess and just I guess back then money wasn't worth what it is now, but to think that, you know, a hundred ducks, hundred dollar bill, a dollar a duck. I mean, I don't know what that would come out to nowadays, but, I mean, what it takes, you know, money and time-wise to different. go get that many ducks. I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine it only being worth that much. Well, they had the ducks in
1: those days. That was a long time ago now.
0: Yeah. They used to kill hard ducks
1: easy over here on some good days when I was a little boy.
0: I suppose. And they done it.
1: But not no – I mean, you can't get no more with cell phones and people don't outlaw like – they were selling ducks still back when I was little.
0: So I guess on that, what kind of changes have you seen in your life through all these years of being in the duck hunting world and whatnot? Oh, the ducks don't calm down like they used to. I've seen a big change in that.
1: You can stand outside in the 70s on a good day. Well, I might. Ducks bunch after bunch after bunch and you never oh oh, you hear you hear at night during the day I haven't heard that in thirty five years. They don't make it down no more. Now I ain't gonna get into all that. They got all kind of people up north people from Louisiana have that thoughts up north, they have that thoughts. You you, you can get into a piss match with all that. I ain't gonna get into all that, but Ducks don't make it down here no more Like they used to in the old days
0: Are you uh, referencing uh, Heated water or something like that?
1: Well, I don't know about the heat I'm not I don't know nothing about no heated water But I do know It's a mining business And people People that don't even hunt Fix that place up and lease blinds out They make all that big eight t- ten thousand dollars $10,000 Of blind. You couldn't do that in the 70s hmm And you know, so many places with the flooded corn, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not judging them, but it's more places dust can go to make it all the way to Louisiana. Louisiana, that was the capital, the place to hunt. Babe Ruth, the president, they used to all hunt the coast back in the 19, you know, early 1900s and all. Yeah. So, this dust can't, this was a place, but it's not like that no more. So, it's just a big change. It's a lot of factors too. Other stuff, but everybody has their own input. I seen, I was watching TV a couple years ago. A biologist from Missouri said, duck come to Louisiana and there's nothing to eat and they turn around and go back. That's the biggest crock of crap I ever heard. Because if he had seen what I saw in the 70s, I'm older than him. In the 70s, it's unbelievable. I've never saw that in 30 years. So if they're not coming here and leaving, I would have seen it. You'd see them coming. When I heard that, I said, boy, I don't know what he's talking about. But they don't make it here. No, they still. I mean, some still come, but not like the the, the big flocks. So I take my little decals and old boats and just enjoy what I got with my kids and make a good time of it. And I'm happy with that. We kill plenty of ducks to eat, give to friends. I give to the poor people. I've been giving to my old friends, the old people that can't hunt no more, I've been giving to them for 30 years, and they all passed on. And uh, I just, you know, give it to whoever I can, but i got connections. I like to see that. Uh, there's nothing like going to an old person's house giving them ducks just to see that smile on their face very rewarding.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I guess kind of on that. Um. What I guess, what kind of tips do you have for anybody that might be listening that is wanting to, uh, you know, do all the hunting or get into it or get into it the old ways at all? What kind of advice could you give them?
1: Everybody's got a grandpa, most of them that like to hunt or hunted before, that has a shotgun, a hunting bag, some, a duck call. I would advise a young man to get whatever he got that was handed down and take it hunting. And right there, you form a connection. And just go from there and just keep going. And that's what I've done, Connor. And then you set a foundation. You got memories. You start making memories. Once you make memories, then you always want to go back and make memories because you enjoy them so much. Yeah. That's what keeps me going.
0: Memories. Yeah. That's about where I'm at. Too on it is. Like I, I mean, I already went over that, but I mean, my biggest thing now is I want to make memories out of it, but not just for me for my son growing up and whatnot, I mean, because that's something they can hold on and remember you by, and I'm sure, I mean, our grandpas and what with all of their stuff, I guarantee none of them wanted it to die with them, or, you know, our great grandpas or anything like that, they want it to live on, I mean, it's part of not only family history, but, you know, world history, so, it's just cool to see people carrying on traditions and, you know. Using the old stuff and going the old way, and not just getting all caught up in the new modern. Got to have the brand new shotgun <laughs> every year, and brand new calls, brand new, you know, decoys, God. all that jazz.
1: That's right. Yeah, I like keep the old ways going, man. That's what, and my bar is now one of them bought them a 97, made in 1899, and an old 1953 870. So he's starting to pick up the old ways.
0: Yeah. But, all right, well, it sounds like you got some people around. So, uh, why don't we?
1: Uh... No, I got a fella wanting to call right now.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, well, we can uh, close her out. And then, I mean, if you ever want to talk again, you got more stories or any history you want to share, you're more than welcome on. Just give me a message and we'll get you on.
1: I sure will, man. You have to excuse me. What's your first name again? Garrett. Garrett, that's right. I'm about at names.
0: Me too. Garrett,
1: I thank, you for, I thank you. I hope I didn't mess up your podcast.
0: Oh, no, you're good. So we'll close her out. Yeah, look, yeah,
1: yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, like I said, message me or anything if you ever want to get back on. More than welcome or if you, you want just to do want to some, chat. You, yeah, you want to do something for closing? Um, just, I guess, you already kind of said it, but how can uh, people get a hold of you again if they uh, – okay. Want to go after a call or check you out or anything like that?
1: Yeah, go to Bayou Beast calls or message me. I'll be glad to talk to anyone or call me. I got a list of them can calls, but I'll be glad to go over anything you need or want. Or if anybody wants to come to my shop or come to Louisiana, you can pick one up anytime. Just give me a little notice about it.
0: Okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you in, in the future on here. Anytime, Garrett. You call me anytime you want. It, I'll be glad to do a podcast. I enjoyed that. Well, thank you, and uh, you have a good night.
1: Thank you, Garrett. I'll talk to you later.